Good afternoon and uh, welcome to another episode of Condo Insider. Uh, my name is Jane Sugimura and I'm your host today. And uh, Condo Insider is a, uh, a program uh, relating to issues affecting people who live and work in condominiums. And uh, so this, is, uh, this program is directed to uh, residents, uh, unit owners, property managers, vendors, uh, and anybody who has anything to do with property, uh, with uh, condominiums. And uh, today I'm going to be talking to you about uh, two bills that are pending in the city council. There's more than two, but these relate to condominiums and have special significance uh, to uh, condominiums. And so um, uh, I wanted to discuss that with you. And, you know, for those of you who have never uh, uh, done this, I mean, you can, uh, you, you can uh, view uh, city council hearings on uh, any type of device. I mean, it's, it's on Olelo, and I believe it's on the Internet. And uh, if you want to participate, it's very interactive. Uh, what you do is you go to the Honolulu.gov, look for city council. You can look for an agenda for committee meetings and for city council hearings. And, and then you can even participate. You can in, uh, send in testimony online uh, on your, those, any specific bill that you want. You don't even have to leave work or leave home. You can uh, participate and have your views known to your uh, uh, elected officials. And so they make it really easy for you to participate. And I really urge you to get involved. Uh, two measures, there are two bills that are pending now in the city council. Uh, one is Bill 89. And Bill 89 is a bill that uh, is going to set up regulations for short-term vacation rentals. And these uh, are typically rentals of less than 30 days. And so these are the tourists who come and uh, spend a week or two uh, in um, our state. And some of you may think, well, you know, this isn't, this isn't bad. We should be, you know, nice to our tourists and give them some alternatives if they don't want to stay in a hotel. And so, you know, I've, I've sat in, you know, several hearings. And so here are some of the pros and cons of allowing short-term vacation rentals. And this is in condominiums. I'm not, there is a whole section that deals with bed and breakfast. And these would be single, I mean, single family homes that are either hosted by the, uh, the resident or the, unit or the homeowner or you know, just rent it out. And um, it's become an issue. It's become a big issue because of uh, um, internet platforms like Airbnb, where people post uh, you know, these short-term rentals and people just show up all, all at the door of the condominium. And so let me just go over some pros and cons. I mean, there are the, the, the benefits of allowing short-term rentals uh, in, in these condominiums. Uh, there's an economic benefit to the county. And this is, this, the, these bills, because it's city and county of Honolulu, it's only for Oahu, okay? So there are economic benefits to the uh, county. That means there are jobs. Uh, this type of activity results in jobs because you have to have people managing uh, the rentals, and if they're, uh, uh, if they're only staying for a few days, 
You have to have people who are involved in cleaning up the units after the people leave, doing the laundry, you know, making up the beds and things like that. So there are jobs that are created because of this. And because you have people living, you know, you have people, you know, more people, uh, I guess the, the theory is that this allows more people to come and visit with us, but it allows, you know, people to come and spend their money in our state, which results in uh, excise tax, which benefits uh, everybody because it means that we're not uh, paying so much tax that a lot, some of the taxes are paid by the uh, people who uh, come to visit like tourists. Uh, and another big, uh, big benefit that I sat and listened to, people say that this supplements their income. In other words, it's so expensive to live in Hawaii that if they weren't able to rent out a room or to rent out these condominium units, that um, you know, they, they would have to, you know, they, they would have to leave the state because they just couldn't afford to live here. So, you know, those, those are the, 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 the primary uh, pros. And then the cons, these are from the people, I guess, who live in the buildings. And their, their complaints are that, you know, by having these, these short-term rentals, and a lot of them in your building, it decreases property values because, you know, a person looking for a property doesn't want to buy into a building where you've got half the rest, uh, half the units as short-term rentals, and you have strangers in the building because it's a security problem. And um, another um, complaint that um, uh, people say is that you know when you have all these strangers in the building, you have more noise, you have parking problems, you have increased uh, traffic. And, and because these are unhosted transient units, which means there's nobody, like you're, you're, it's not like a bed and breakfast where somebody is there acting as the host. You're just renting out a room uh, to these tourists. It, uh, it ends up in all kinds of uh, behavior that may not be uh, conducive to the neighbors because if people come on vacation, they wanna party. And they don't care if you have to wake up the next day uh, to go to work at eight o'clock. And so they're partying at two to three o'clock in the morning. And, and, and this is very irritating if you, you know, need your sleep. And so, and in Waikiki, and I'm gonna concentrate on Waikiki because that seems to be where, the pro where a lot of problems exist. Because in, in, under the new uh, legislation that's being discussed in the city council, uh, Waikiki, because it's in a resort area and, and any apartment district that's near a resort area, I guess that would, uh, uh, would uh, count for the North Shore and in uh, Kapolei where we have a few hotels. But it, and, you know, they're saying that if you live in an apartment district near a resort area, then there, the, the, this new regulation would allow 50% of your units uh, to be used in short-term rentals. And so that's giving the people who live in those buildings heartburn. I mean, if it was your building and the city was uh, going to allow 50% uh, of your condominium unit own, units to be used for short-term rentals, that means you've got, if it's a 300-unit building, you're going to have 150 units that are going to be operated as hotels, hotel rooms, where people will be coming in every two weeks. Uh, there'll be um, new people coming in. 
There'll be luggage by the uh, elevators. Uh, there's going to be parking problems, you know, from people coming in and out. And there are going to be people uh, there at all hours of the day and night because these people are on vacation. So, you know, they don't have to get up and go to work the next day. So they're going to be up late. And, um, and so uh, you're going to be living with this uh, situation. And there are a lot of people in Waikiki who say that this is not fair. And, and the other uh, condominiums that aren't near a resort area, they're, uh, they're going to be, um, I think it's 1% of the uh, population, uh, of the units. So it would be 1%. If you have a three, uh, it, it'd be 1% of that. So um, it, it's, it's not going to be as onerous, but the, the buildings, the, the condominiums in Waikiki, uh, under this bill, 50% of them would be subject to the short-term rental. And um, the bill does talk about uh, you know, uh, it says that, you know, your building can't, uh, wouldn't be subject to this, you know, the 50 percent if it had a provision in the condominium bylaws that prohibit short term rentals. And, you know, I, I'm not familiar with every uh, declaration and bylaw, but the ones, the typical ones have provisions in it that say that uh, you cannot rent your unit. Uh, you can't do short-term rentals, that the rentals have to be 60 or 90 days or longer. And if you have a provision like that, uh, and there are some in Waikiki that I'm aware of, I think Discovery Bay has got one, and uh, the Wailana's got one, Yacht Harbor Towers has one, and they're all near the Waikiki district. But I'm being told that there are buildings in Waikiki, and some of them don't have that provision in it. And so if they don't have that provision in it, then if the city passes this law, then 50% of their units uh, may be subject to uh, short-term uh, vacation rentals. And you, know, and you might say, well, geez, you know, why don't those associations just change their declarations or their bylaws? Well, that's not so easy to do, especially in a place like Waikiki, where um, the, the owner occupancy rate is very low because it's near a resort area. So um, it's very, very hard. The, the law right now says it takes 67% of the unit owners to make a bylaw amendment. And so if you want to change your bylaws to add the short-term rental prohibition, you need 67%. And if you don't have 67% of the unit owners living in the building, and in Waikiki, there are, because it's a resort area, a lot of the unit owners live in China and Japan and Korea. They're investor owners. And, you know, they don't even return their proxies. And so it's very difficult for them uh, to change their bylaws. Uh, but anyway, that's an ongoing uh, problem, uh, an ongoing situation uh, with the Waikiki area. And uh, th just last week, there, there was a hearing uh, in committee on this bill so this bill is pending, and if you and if it and if you care about it, if you live in Waikiki or you live close to Waikiki, and you're you're concerned that maybe it might happen to your building, I would go onto the city's website and take a look at Bill 89 because it's not long. I think it's eight pages, and so and and, and look at it and and see if it applies to you. And if it applies to you, I would talk to my council member and tell him or her about my concerns. I would go on the website and submit testimony the next time there's a hearing 
And this means that you don't have to take off from work. You can do it, you know, from your desktop or from your, from your phone, from a, any type of device. But, you know, for heaven's sakes, if this, if, if this upsets you, you need to get involved because if you don't get involved, then the elected officials don't know what your th thoughts and feelings are on the issue. And they're going to listen to the people who are there and telling them that they should do it or how they should do it. So um, anyway, uh, you know, please uh, go to the website, like I said, the city council website, if you care about this. We're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to, I'm going to update you on the fire safety bill that seems to go on and on and on, but we've got some new changes and uh, some uh, more information that will help you uh, live through the process. So uh, to just stay put and we'll be back after our short break. Thank you. Aloha, I'm Yukari Kunisue, the host of Konnichiwa Hawaii, Japanese talk show on ThinkTech Hawaii. Konnichiwa Hawaii is all Japanese broadcast show and it's streamed live on ThinkTech at 2 p.m. every other Monday. Thank you so much for watching our show. We look forward to seeing you then. I'm Yukari Kunisue. Mahalo. Aloha. I'm Wendy Lowe, and I'm coming to you every other Tuesday at 2 o'clock, live from Think Tech Hawaii. And on our show, we talk about taking your health back. And what does that mean? It means mind, body, and soul. Anything you can do that makes your body healthier and happier is what we're going to be talking about. Whether it's spiritual health, mental health, fascia health, beautiful smile health, whatever it means, let's take healthy back. Aloha. Welcome back to uh, the second portion of our show today about two city council bills. My name is Jane Sugimura and I'm your host. And to, uh, we were talking about uh, Bill 89, which was about short-term vacation rentals. And that bill just started to have hearings in the city council. And as I said earlier in the program, uh, I urge everybody to uh, get involved. And the, you can get involved in city council proceedings. They have a very interactive website. Uh, Honolulu.gov, go to the city council. You can get agendas, you can get copies of bills, you can even submit testimony online so you don't ever have to go down to city hall uh, and sit there and wait for your uh, uh, opportunity to give your two cents to your elected officials. You can do it uh, in the comfort of your home or anywhere you, know, you are if you have a digital device. And so I really, really urge you to get involved because these bills when they get passed, do affect you. And so now we're going to go to the update on the fire safety bill. And in May of uh, 2018, uh, a bill, uh, Ordinance 1814 was signed into law. And that was a fire sprinkler bill uh, that was enacted after the Marco Polo fire, which happened in July of 2017. And the bill, in a nutshell, says... You shall, if you're a high-rise builder, you shall install fire sprinklers throughout in the units and in the hallways, except, except if you're 10 floors, if you're less than 10 floors, then you don't have to install sprinklers if you have open corridors. And this is where you come out of your unit and there's air. There's not a wall. You don't have enclosed corridors. You, if you have, and if you're in either of those situations, you do not have to install sprinklers. However, you have to pass something called a life safety evaluation. And what's a life safety evaluation? 
that's an inspection uh, that the fire department is requiring to be done by an architect or an engineer. And they basically look at 17 items and they give you a passing, you have to get a passing score. And um, uh, there are not a lot of life safety evaluations that have been done because there's been some confusion on how you do it. But I hear that some have already started and the fire department tells me that some have been completed. But anyway, what it does is it checks certain things in your building. The licensed professional is the one who does it. And if you, uh, you, you have to have the inspection done within three years of the passage of the law. So the law was passed in May of 2018. You have to finish your life safety evaluation uh, by uh, May of 2021. And, and, and it doesn't take long to do it. I, I, I would think that it would not take more than a few days. And, and uh, the licensed professional can only charge you for the time that he's in your building mainly because the uh, software uh, for the evaluation and the, the, the chart, there's a spreadsheet that they use to do the scoring, has been prepared by the city and it's given to the licensed professional for free, right? So that means you can't be charged for software, you can't be charged for the technology. All you're being, all you're, all you're being charged for is the time that the license, licensed professional spends in your building. So it behooves anybody in a condominium association, the board of directors, the residents, the managing agent, the resident manager to become real familiar with what we call the matrix, which uh, scores the 17 items and they are on the uh, fire department website. And you wanna be really, really familiar with that. You wanna get your building plans and you wanna look at the matrix and see what kinds of things that they look for and gather the materials so that when the inspector comes and uh, talks to you and, and you, you know, your building, that they can, you know, you have that information uh, ready for them so they're not hunting and asking you uh, questions regarding what they have to inspect. And, you know, so, so with the life safety evaluation, I mean, w w with this uh, new fire safety bill, we know that you're exempt if you're uh, you're exempt from fire sprinklers if you're below 10 stories and if you have open exteriors. And, 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 if, and if you, that means you're exempt from putting in sprinklers, but you have to do the life safety evaluation. And, uh, and, and uh, nobody is, no, and the only way that you would be exempt from the life safety evaluation is if you put in a fire sprinkler. And now there was a meeting this past Tuesday and the fire department, I think, has agreed to change the matrix so that one of the options on there is, yes, we're going to put in a fire sprinkler. We give up. We're going to put a, in a fire sprinkler. And so if you, do, if you say that, if you check that box, you don't have to do the life safety evaluation. And that's a big change. And, and, and a lot of associations are asking, we don't want to do the life safety evaluation. We're scared or we don't think we're going to pass or it's going to take us too much money to pass the life safety, we might as well do sprinklers. So we give up, we'll do the sprinklers. And if you do that, then there's a box you check, you don't have to do the life safety evaluation, but you need to apply for your building permit within two years after you submit your uh, life safety evaluation to the fire department. So it's not like you can say, oh yeah, we're gonna put in fire sprinklers and do nothing. 
for the 12 years that it, the ordinance says you have to do it. You need to put in your, you know, and, and two years gives you time to get your plans and specs, hire your contractor, do everybody to do their due diligence, your lawyers, your accountants, everybody can look at the plan and it allows you time uh, to get your uh, uh, paperwork and plans into the uh, building department. Okay, and, um, and another thing that, uh, and oh, one, one other thing too, that came up in our meeting Tuesday. One of the issues in the life safety evaluation is mobility. And mobility is one of those factors that get checked off at the very beginning of the life safety evaluation because that affects all the scores of the 17 items uh, after that. And so if you get a high score on the mobility, which means that you have a lot of people that have issues getting in and out of the building, then that's going to make it harder for you to get a passing score on the life safety evaluation. And, and we complain to the fire department that, you know, it's really hard on a day-to-day -day basis to tell, the, tell you, how, you know, how many people are, have mobility issues. In other words, you might have some people who are really frail, you know, but they're healthy, but they can't walk down 20 flights of stairs. Or what about the person who doesn't speak English? Okay, they're, they're 30 years old and healthy, but they don't speak English. So if you say fire, we need to get out of the building, fire, and this is what you do, and they don't understand you. Okay, so, and, and so there's all, and what if, what if your neighbor, who is 26 years old and very able-bodied, went skiing and breaks a leg? They have mobility problems that they didn't have a week ago, okay? So the mobility issue is a moving target. And so we said it's really not fair to make the association and the licensed professional give, you know, figure out some type of score that's going to affect all the other 17 items. And then uh, the fire department uh, started talking about <clears throat> their list of vulnerables. And, and I've been talking to a lot of associations about this over the years. There's a lockbox that's near, I think it's near the elevator, the front of the building, and it's only for first responders. And what you need to do as an association is you need to find out who in your building is going to need help getting out of the building. That means that they have problems walking, they have a walker, they're in a wheelchair, they broke a leg, or, you know, and, and they can't, you know, walk uh, well. Or if they have a hearing problem and they don't hear the alarms, or if they have a language problem and they don't understand English. So, you know, and, and so you need to uh, ask them to let the office know and what the office does, and they should do this, and I, I really think you should do it on a six-month basis because people move in and out of the building all the time. So, you know, you, you need to have a current list. You can't let it go for two and three and five years because that list is, is, is not current. And what happens is when the fire or the first responders come to a building because of an emergency, they have keys for the elevator. They have keys for the special lockbox where the list of vulnerables are. And so... They pull off the list, and if the fire is on the 25th floor, they look on the list and say, ah, okay, Mrs. Jones is on uh, uh, the 24th floor, so we got to go up and save Mrs. Jones, okay? That's what that list is for, so, they, so that the first responders, I mean, they're only going to go to the people whose names are on that list, 
And so it's up to the association to make sure that they have a current and uh, list for that lockbox. And one of the discussions that we had at the Tuesday meeting is maybe during the life safety evaluation, the licensed professional might ask the building about their list of vulnerables and to find out how current it is. And, and if they don't have a list or if it's not current, to give them minus points. And so for those of you who are listening now, I would ask your board member, your site manager, your managing agent, if there is such a list. And, you know, it, it, and is it in the box for the first responders? Uh, so that when the first responders come to the building, they know who they have to go to to try to save. And, and, and they're not, you know, just, you know, uh, and, and because those, if, if they have a list, those are the people that they are going to go to uh, to try to help. And, if it, and, and, and see, because they know if, if the fire's on 25th floor, they're only going to be concerned about the people who are close to floor 25. In other words, if you're on floor two, they're not going to worry about saving you. They're going to spend their energy it's trying to save the people around the floor where the emergency uh, exists. And another part of the uh, Bill 96 that you know, we are changing is that the second part, I mean, you have uh, three years from the date of the ordinance, which was May of uh, 2018, you have three years to get a life safety evaluation. And most people aren't going to pass the first time. So, so yes, you know, and what it does is it tells you what you have to do. And then you can decide, oh, well, it, I'm, I'm six points short. And you talk to your licensed professional and say, what can we do to get that six points so that we can get a passing score? And, and, or maybe they've got 10 points. And maybe what they can do is upgrade their fire alarm system or change their doors and put in fire safety doors or put metal closures on all of the doors. And, you know, so these are things, and, but, and then for, for that, you have six years. After the first three years, you have six years to comply. In other words, within six years, you have to do all the changes and you have to be able to pass the life safety evaluation. And so for, the, for what Bill 96 does, it says that because for the six-year period where you have to comply, you may need building permits. And, and we all know that, I mean, that's like a black hole. You submit your application to the building department, and it just sits there for days and months. And I'm told right now it's average six to 12 months, which I think is disgraceful. Uh, especially if what you're waiting for are, you know, uh, permits to do, you know, emergency safety repairs, like railings. But anyway, th that's the system right now. And I understand that there's an audit being done on DPP and how they process permits. But anyway, the uh, Bill 96 does give you an extension of time uh, if you submit your uh, building permit uh, in order to comply with uh, the life safety evaluation. So if you don't get your building permit back uh, in a timely manner, then that six-year period is extended for the amount of time that it takes the city to approve your permit. And um, I'm running out of time. So um, if you want to know um, uh, what the changes are, I urge you to go onto the city website. There's going to be a hearing, a committee hearing on Monday, uh, March 25th. So if you go into the Honolulu.gov, uh, city Council, and you uh, click on uh, committee meetings, there's one uh, for the, uh, the uh, committee 
on um, planning and infrastructure. And that uh, committee meeting is Monday, uh, and I think it's at 1 o'clock. But anyway, you can get a copy of the agenda, you can get copies of the uh, bill, and you can get copies of uh, a summary of some of the changes that are being made. But this is really, really important because this affects what your association is going to have to pay because every building, every high-rise building, anything over seven, uh, 10 stories, 10 stories and above, has to comply with this law. So if you're in that category, then I urge you to become really familiar uh, with this uh, bill. And it's not rocket science, but it does mean you have to go and look and read and uh, get involved. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with another episode of Condo Insider, where we talk about condominium living and issues that affect those who live and work in condominiums. Thank you very much for joining us. Aloha.